Welcome to the Marriage by the Book podcast. Whether you have a great marriage or one that needs improvement, this is the show for you. Since 1994, we've used biblical principles to help hundreds of couples, just like you, find relationship success. As you listen, you'll get practical tips, knowledge, and motivation that will help bring greater intimacy and happiness to your marriage so that you can enjoy the relationship you've dreamed of. And now, this is Marriage by the Book. Hello and thank you for listening to the Marriage by the Book podcast. This is Rick Porterfield and uh, today we're continuing talking about intimacy and this is actually the third session I've done on intimacy Um, and today I'm going to talk about communication and sex and um, anyway this is two very key parts of intimacy and I said this in the first session on intimacy but sometimes people hear the word intimacy and that's what their mind automatically goes to and intimacy includes the physical sexual relationship obviously but there's much more to it much more to intimacy than just that, okay? If we just focus on the physical relationships, a lot of times we get into to selfishness and it becomes about me. And the first thing I want to talk about is communication, which can really communicate and even about your sex life, can really help your sex life. So let's talk about this here. You know, communication is essential to learning your spouse's needs, desires, and wants, and these types of things, to learning what do they like, what do they not like, what are their preferences, you know, who is this person? You know, communication is essential for that. You know, Jesus came to earth and communicated, right? He told us, he demonstrated in action and word who he was and who the Father was as well, because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So, Anyway, so how are you going to find these things out about your spouse in order to to minister to them, to serve them? You know, Rebecca and I say this a lot when we're counseling with couples and different things, but I believe it's it's correct to say that you are God's chosen minister to your spouse. You know, a minister is, is someone who serves, a servant. That's what a minister is. And when you are married to someone if that person is going to experience God's love on this earth, it's primarily going to come through their spouse. It's primarily going to come through you. And to, to love someone is to give, to serve, to minister, to be a blessing to that person. You know, to, to be more about them than you are about yourself. You know, our very first set, you know, what we're doing here in this series I'm in, in now is I'm going through the, uh, the counseling sessions Rebecca and I would do with a couple if we were counseling one on one. I started off talking about the problem, which is self-centeredness in the second, um, session we would cover with a couple is the love of God, which is the answer, okay? So the love of God, where self-centeredness takes, the love gives. It's a blessing. Self-centeredness tries to bless me, tries to look out for me, but love tries to bless and give to the other person. And communication is essential to being a blessing to that person. How is she going to learn about them in order to do that? So I think that makes that point. And let me say this too. Some people will tell you, that communication is the problem in relationships. And I, I disagree. Self-centeredness is the problem in relationships. And the reason I disagree is twofold. One is because the Bible tells you self-centeredness is the problem in relationships. Go back and listen to those earlier podcasts on that. 
um, if you'd like. But um, also, here's another thing that I found is that I can, when Rebecca and I, especially years ago, when we would get into arguments, um, I could talk and talk and talk and talk. I mean, communicate, right? And make it worse. Just dig the hole deeper. Anyway, so communication, that is not the problem. It's our purpose in communicating and what we're doing with the communication, okay? Which, and what's going to dictate our purpose in communication and what we do with it is whether we're doing it self-centeredly or through the love of God. So anyway, okay, Proverbs 13, 17, this is from the Living Bible. It says, an unreliable messenger can cause a lot of trouble. Yes, it can. And then it goes on and says, reliable communication permits progress. That's what we want. We don't want unreliable communication, which is going to cause trouble we want reliable communication that's going to permit progress in our relationship so you know you need to make sure that your spouse knows what you're trying to say when you're communi- communicating with them sorry i'm stumbling over my words a little bit today as a minister i like Dwayne sheriff says i'm the english language assassin sometimes it seems like anyway but don't take for granted that because you know what you're saying that they do also you know, try to say things clearly. You know, that, there's another reason to know your spouse well is because when you do, um, you'll be able to communicate in a way they'll understand. Not that your spouse is dumb or you have to dumb things down. That is absolutely not what I mean. What I mean is people are different. They come from different backgrounds. Things uh, come, they have different filters. Things have a different context to them. So as you learn those things, you'll be able to explain that better. Okay. So. Make sure that they understand what you're saying and don't just take for granted because you understand that, that, you know, that they do as well. I'll tell you something. Maybe this has happened to some of you. I'd be interested to know, actually, if this has ever happened to you, send me an email at info at Rick. I'm sorry, info at marriagebythebook.org and tell me. But Rebecca and I have actually gotten into arguments. And again, this hasn't happened in a long time, but we'd get into arguments. And when we finally got to the bottom of things, we'd realize we were actually saying the same thing and we agreed. It's just the way we were presenting it was different. And we thought it was different because of that. So anyway, that again, an unreliable messenger can cause a lot of trouble. Uh, but reliable communication permits progress. So anyhow, so let's talk a little bit about how to communicate. There's a scripture. And if we would just do what the scripture says, this would really, really help communications. James 119, you know, the Bible is so practical. Man, if we would just get into the Bible and see what it says and apply it to our lives, it would just really work for us. I know I was talking to a lady once years ago. I was working in an office and I was talking to this lady about some of these type of things. And she says, you mean the Bible says, tells me how to have a better marriage. She, that just boggled her mind. She could not fathom that the Bible had practical advice for her marriage. And it absolutely does this. And in fact, this is what works. What's in the word works. Okay. James 1 19 is the scripture I'm talking about though. Apply this to your relationship. It says, so then my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak and slow to wrath. So swift to hear. So we need to be quick to listen. When our spouse starts talking to us, listen, just disengage from whatever you're doing. Put the newspaper down as 
probably not something we do nowadays, put the device down and, and listen to what they're saying. Be slow to speak. A lot of times we think, okay, I know what they're trying to say here. And we stop listening, start preparing our response and maybe jump in with our response before they're even done talking. Don't do that. Okay. Be swift to listen, slow to speak and slow to wrath, slow to get mad. You know, and I used to tell myself when Rebecca would be talking to me, I'd say, I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to. I would do that. Sometimes I'd do it out loud. And when I would do that, it would make Rebecca mad. But I was trying to apply the scripture to my life and not get mad. Okay, so let's move along here. I don't want to make this podcast longer than it needs to be. Another thing to do, sometimes we're maybe we're going to be talking about big things or whatever, important things, weighty matters, so to speak. And in those situations, it might be a good idea to pray for wisdom. God might show you that, that whatever this thing you want to communicate about is that, that you're in the wrong. You, maybe it's not even something you really need to, to talk about. Or he might lead you in how to communicate. So be open to that. Plan a time that's good for your spouse. Gosh, I remember ages ago when Rebecca and I first got together. That wasn't ages, but it's a while, while back. When we first got together, Rebecca was upset about something. I knew it came home from work. She's upset. I said, what's wrong? She said, nothing. And so I said, okay. We went on. She's mad all evening. And we go to bed, and I'm tired, right, going to sleep. And then she wants to talk about it. And I remember twice I fell asleep on her while she was telling me this problem. That's not a good idea to fall asleep on your spouse when they're telling you the problem, okay? It's a wonder I'm still alive, right? Anyway, um, that wasn't good. So Choose a time that's good for your spouse. Maybe not when they're hungry. Maybe not when they're tired. Choose a time that's good for them. Speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15 tells us to do that. You know, speak the truth in love. Again, what does love do? Love gives. Love builds up. Love is is constructive, not destructive. So we want to speak the truth, but you want to do that in love, not selfishly, not trying to benefit you, but to benefit the other person, to to minister to them, to build up, to for the, you know, to, to help the man marriage, okay? You know, our attitude is important. I would apply that here, speaking the truth in love, our attitude. We don't want to speak the truth in anger or sarcastically or accusingly or whatever. So speak the truth in love, okay? Don't lose your temper. Anger on the part of one person usually causes anger on the part of the other. An example I've probably used on the podcast before is kind of imagine in your head that you're carrying around two buckets all the time. One bucket's full of water, one is full of gasoline. And when sparks begin to shoot, just imagine, that, you know, again, in the example that you have the choice of which bucket you toss on those sparks. If you toss the water, you extinguish, extinguish it. If you toss the gasoline, you cause a major fire, an explosion even. You know, the Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. That's what you want to do. You have control of what you say. No one can make you speak something you don't want to speak, okay? So uh, take that control. Focus on understanding. Here's another thing to do when communicating. Focus on understanding and not on who's winning or losing. Man, I used to be, this was, my thing was I wanted to win the conversation, right? That's just destructive to communication. you you got to be focusing on understanding and being a, a blessing to the other person loving them rather than trying to win, okay? Focus on who's winning or losing. And then finally, 
Act on what is communicated. Use what's communicated to minister to your spouse, to be a blessing to them, not to try to manipulate them or use them in some way, but to be a blessing to them, okay? So let's move on. Just quickly, I want to cover some key things about the physical, the sexual relationship. You know, it's important in marriage. I'm probably going to do a podcast just a standalone one. Um, and I almost hate to say this because until you hear it and see it laid out, it's kind of maybe a little bit mind blowing, but, but the similarities between the sexual relationship, the parallels between sex and communion, I'm talking about the Lord's Supper are just amazing. You know, anyhow, again, I don't want to, that's not the subject of this podcast. I don't have time to go there, but the physical relationship is more, is so important in a relationship. It's more, and it's also, it's more than a biological function. A union actually take place. You know, Mark 10, 8, Jesus said, and the two shall become one flesh, one flesh. There's that English language assassin again. The two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. A spiritual union takes place between a husband and wife. And there's a completion of that in the sex relationship. There's a completion of the two. You know, it's kind of hard to, well, I'll speak for me. It was hard for me to wrap my head around it. So, so something that kind of helped me was to think of like a, a violin or a fiddle, depending on where you're from and what you're doing, a violin or a fiddle and the bow that you play it with, right? You, know, you can take a violin and you can pluck it like a guitar and play it, but it sounds a lot better when you use the bow and play it, right? Um, so a violin and a bow, they're, they're two different things, but they're one instrument. Neither is really complete without the other. Okay. Uh, think about this too. A lock and a key are one mechanism. Really, a key by itself has very limited use. A lock by itself has very limited use, but you put them together and they're one mechanism. And the physical relationship is really a renewal of the marriage covenant. A scripture I really like on this is found in 1 Corinthians 7, 4. And I like the way it says it in the Message Bible. It says, marriage isn't a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out. I'll tell you, serve the other in bed. Sex is actually an area of ministry. You come into the sexual relationship with the attitude of meeting the other person's needs. Again, loving them instead of just being self-centered. And this is the, an area where so, so many people never thought of that. This is a novel thought to a lot of people. But most people come into the sexual relationship thinking this is about me, okay? And really it's not. It's about the other person. And if we'll make it an area of ministry, it'll be a lot better for everyone. Okay, I'm going to read a scripture here that shows how this is a, there's more than just a, a physical thing going on here. And this is 1 Corinthians 7, 2 through 5 from the New King James Version. And verse 4 is in here. Uh, I just quoted it from the message, but it's in here in the New King James. It says, Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. I want to point out a couple things. The way, the way to deal with sexual immorality is to have a spouse, not to go sleep around and it doesn't include masturbating here either he doesn't say because of sexual immorality leech may have his own wife it doesn't say to, to masturbate it says to have a spouse and then okay the next verse um verse three 
Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. So we give ourselves. There's not a taking. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her. So the husband's supposed to give, and likewise also the wife to her husband. She's supposed to give as well. Verse 4, the wife doesn't have authority over her own body, but the husband does, and likewise the husband doesn't have authority over his body, but the wife does. Some people use that to say, you have to do this for me. But that's really not what that's talking about in context. There's a rendering or a giving of yourself to the other person, and I shouldn't withhold that from my spouse. Spouse. You shouldn't withhold that from your spouse. You should give yourself to them. You know, it's not mine to take. It's mine to give. Okay. And we need to give it willingly and with this attitude of love I'm talking about. Okay. Do not deprive one another. This is verse five. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So there again, you don't deprive each other. You don't go and do something else. Take care of your needs yourself. That's reserved for the marriage, the two of you together. Okay. Let me go back here. I just want to read that verse four. And I quoted this from the message, you know, marriage isn't a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out. Now, listen to that here from the New King James. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his body, but the wife does. Okay, marriage isn't a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve the other one. That's the paraphrase of what I just read you. Okay, so couple of other points here in wrapping this up. Verse 2, let me read that again. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. One thing you see there is that the husband and wife both have needs, okay? Sometimes we might neglect the needs of the other person. I think the classic example of this is the husband neglecting the needs of the wife, you know? We don't want to do that. You want to meet your wife's needs. The relationship, the physical, sexual relationship should be good for her as well as for yourself. If you focus on meeting her needs and she focuses on meeting yours, then it will be mutually beneficial. It'll be good, right? Okay. So both people have needs. Then verse three tells us it's the husband's duty to meet the wife's needs and the wife's duty to meet the husband's needs. Again, verse three says, let the husband render to his wife the affection due her. See, there's something due. And likewise, also the wife to her husband. It's not mine to take. It's hers to give. It's not hers to take. It's his to give. Okay. So we want to give that to each other. So we've talked about several things. I'm going to wrap this podcast up here. We've talked about several things here over the last three, well, this is the third week, about how to grow in intimacy. So I just want to encourage you, you know, go back and, and listen to those, review those, um, and think about what can I do, okay, to better communicate, to, to you know, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to wrath, to, uh, to minister to my spouse in the sexual relationship, to spend time with them, to just to get to minister to them, to be other-centered toward them, all these things we've talked about. What can I do to promote intimacy? And maybe come together with you and your spouse and talk about that together. What can we do to make intimacy more of a priority in our relationship? Again, not just talking about the physical sexual relationship, but talking about 
knowing each other's deepest nature and using what you know about that person to just love them better, to be more of a blessing, more of a, uh, uh, more of a minister to them. Okay. So do that. And I just, my prayer for you today is that the Lord himself would show you how it would, first of all, I guess, give you a heart to be more intimate with your spouse, give you a desire to do that, and that you would be able to love them and be a minister to them and serve them from what you know of them, and that he would give you wisdom in how to get to know them better. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day. We hope you enjoyed today's Marriage by the Book podcast. Make sure to like, rate, and review, and hit the subscribe button. For additional resources or to go deeper, visit marriagebythebook.org. See you next time.